Usually around holidays, um, seems like what people share on is pretty predictable. You know, there's like Christmas and it'll be the birth of Christ. Around Easter, Resurrection Sunday, you get the resurrection of Christ. Things like that. Uh, one time, John Duke, who was pastor here for 27 years, on uh, it was a Mother's Day, and he spoke on the wrath of God and hell. <laughs> and I appreciate that, like mix it up. So when Chris said, hey, can you share this Sunday? I thought, huh, well, God's been talking to me a lot about fasting lately. So how cool would it be the Sunday before Thanksgiving to talk about fasting? All right, well, I'm not going to talk about fasting. God's been talking to me about other things. I'm going to do the next most enticing subject besides fasting, obedience. (laughs) All right. So obedience is the way into the kingdom. Um, I'm praying this morning that God would, would speak to us all collectively, um, that we would hear what he has to say, and then we'd be able to follow him into what he's asking us to do. All right, so God's inviting us into his kingdom. He's inviting us into life with him. We're invited to follow him, to know him, to be with him. He's inviting us into life where we don't always understand the whys and the hows, We get to trust him, where we live by faith, where in our weakness he's made strong, where if we're willing to give give up our lives, we find our life in him. We see miracles, we get to be used by him, and we're filled with peace and purpose. He invites us, all of us, those of us who know him, have already met him, those of us who don't know him. Those of us who are weak, broken, lost, and definitely the people that think they have it all together. He's inviting them for sure. He's after our hearts, all of our mind, body, soul, strength. We're going to look at a couple of instances in the Old Testament, and then we'll get into the New Testament as well, because I take my cues from Curtis, and he shares the whole Bible, and I'm going to share as much as possible in my 87 minutes. I also am going to label each of these passages as a different trap. And I'm not going to put the name of the trap up on the screen because I didn't spend much time on this. And I want, I want Liberty to change the name of the traps later. But these are things we can look out for. All right. So the first one is called the lip service trap, a.k.a. the Pharisee special. So go with me, if you will, in your Bibles, to Jeremiah 7. Uh, In this chapter of Jeremiah, what's happened is Jeremiah is already bringing really strong words against the people of Judah. Um, Starting in verse 9, well, this is after he's already talked about how they're oppressing the poor and they're mistreating the foreigner and they're not doing what God's told them to do. But starting in verse 9, he says, Do you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods that you have not known? Then do you come and stand before me in this house that bears my name and say, 
we are rescued. Thank you, Lucas. So we can continue doing all these detestable acts. Has the house which bears my name become a den of robbers in your view? Yes, I too have seen it. Do you recognize that language, den of robbers, den of thieves? Jesus uses that terminology when he clears the temple, when he sees people being oppressed by the money changers and those selling animals in the temple. It's the same language. All right, so let's continue. Verse 21. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your ancestors out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak with them or command them concerning burnt offering and sacrifice. However, I did give them this command. Obey me, and then I will be your God, and you will be my people. Follow every way I command you, so that it may go well with you. This is interesting. One, because at this point in history, God did require sacrifice. So he talks about the burnt offering. And a burnt offering... The whole animal is placed on the altar, and it's all consumed and burned by fire. There's nothing left. And then he talks about peace offerings. He says other offerings. Now, peace offerings, it's put on the altar. The fat is burned, but then the rest of the animal is taken. A portion is given to the priests, and then a portion is given to the person who's making the offering. And they would typically eat it with family, with friends. It would be a cause for a feast. They would feast on this. And so what God is saying is, you can throw your burnt offering in with the peace offering and eat it yourselves because I'm not honoring it. I'm not accepting your sacrifice. So then, this is similar, these people are similar to when Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. He's quoting Isaiah, actually, in Matthew. He says, hypocrites, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. So these people were mistreating their neighbor. They were not doing what God commanded them to do, but then they would go into the temple and offer praise. And God is not into our lack of integrity. He's not into our worship with our lips, but not with our actions and how we follow him. These people's hearts were far from God. The people of Judah had been living however they wanted. He didn't ask them when he brought them out of Egypt. The other part of that scripture, if you go back, I did give them this command, obey me, and then I will be your God and you will be my people. Follow every way I command you so that it may go well with you. He said, I didn't talk about sacrifices. I didn't talk about burnt offerings. I asked you to obey me so I could be your God and you could be my people. So that's the lip service trap. We don't want to fall into that one. All right, next exciting Old Testament story. (laughs) I'm not trying to be a doubter. (laughs) This is good though. God is not heavy handed. We're talking about this in the back earlier. He's offering us life, life. His discipline is life. Okay, so we're going to go now to um, 1 Samuel 15, and this is the story about, um, 
So when Israel was leaving Egypt, God was delivering them from Egypt, the Amalekites attacked them from behind. And it was understood that once uh, Israel had settled in the promised land, they were to go back and deal with the Amalekites. This is a pretty brutal story, um, but I'm going to, I'll leave some details out. All right. So Saul was supposed to destroy everything of the Amalekites. That was his command, was to go destroy the Amalekites. And so he went and he did, but he let his troops keep some things. The best of the cattle, the best of the sheep, the best of the goats. With the intention of making an offering to the Lord. So this is called the better idea or sacrifice trap. So then the Lord of the Word, uh, the Word of the Lord, not the Lord of the Word, both. Uh, he is, the, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ellen. Comes to Samuel, verse 11. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. So Samuel became angry and cried out to the Lord all night. Note that he turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. So then in verse 12, early in the morning, Samuel got up to confront Saul. But it was reported to Samuel, Saul went to Carmel, where he set up a monument to himself. Red flag. <laughs> then he turned around and went down to Gilgal. When Samuel came to him, Saul said, this is how I imagine he said it, May the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Well, okay, okay. So... God tells Samuel, I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. Has not. And Saul says, may the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. So Samuel replies, then what is the sound of sheep, goats, and cattle I hear? Okay, this scene is like kind of, the word they use these days, cringy. Because we know what God told Samuel, like the verse before. And now Saul is saying, I carried out the Lord's instructions. So you're like, no, you didn't though. You really didn't. All right. The other part is that when Samuel went to find Saul, he couldn't find him. Why? Because he was building a monument to himself. After this victory that God gave him, he's like, Huh, cool. I go build a monument to myself. This, <laughs> this is terrible. And we're, I was talking to Wade about this actually this morning. We had coffee this morning. And it's, the timing is interesting. Probably right as he's building this monument to himself, God is rejecting him as king. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. All right, so Saul keeps making excuses that he was saving the best of the animals for sacrifice. It goes back and forth. And finally, Samuel's like, he's heard enough. He's just like, stop. Does the Lord take pleasure? This is verse 22. Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. It's a heart issue. It's honoring him with our actions and with our words, but not our hearts. Our hearts aren't in it. We're called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, 
mind, soul, strength. All right, so that's it for the Old Testament. I'm done, and we're probably like, I don't know, eight minutes in. So 79 minutes of the New Testament. All right, so first thing, I'm going to read one more trap. How about the get things done, but not the will of the Father trap? This one's really interesting, and like, I'm about to read this passage, but there's nothing quite like it in the rest of the Bible. Uh, Maybe like Samson, who God gives strength to, even though he has turned away from him and he asks for help and God grants him help. I don't know. But this one is in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, and this is verses 21 through 23. And Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. That one's intense because these Like, some of these things, they're saying they cast out demons in his name. They prophesied in his name. They did many acts of power in his name. But he said, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. Only the one who does the will of the Father. So we're back to obedience. And it's always the heart issue because... It's like Saul, he did follow what God was saying up to a point. But then eventually he got to where he said, no, I'm going to do it this way. So there was some obedience in it, but he didn't have his heart. And instead of, you know, I really think Saul, if he would have just humbled himself when Samuel was calling him out, God would have forgiven him. But he doubled down. And then his pride took over, and he just couldn't. And so these interesting cases where you hear of people prophesying in his name, casting out demons, and doing many deeds of power, and then they didn't actually know him. God didn't have their heart. All right, so this one, these two are pretty quick. This one's called the name dropper trap. It's similar to the one above, actually. This is how, and this is 1 John 2, 3 through 6. This is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. And that's like Jesus. Walk as Jesus walked. And Jesus walked in complete submission, subjection, and servanthood to the Father. He did what God asked him to do. The lifesaver trap. Then he said to them, this is Luke chapter 9, 23 through 25. If anyone wants to follow after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? 
So that's the trap of we think we can make it on our own or we try to protect ourselves, make our own lives. And he's like, no, you've got to be willing to lose your life for me. You've got to be willing to follow me. All right. So what does it look like? Uh, A lot of times I imagine following him, you know, he gives us this perfect thing to say at the perfect time and the heavens open up and it's all miraculous. And it's, in my experience, rarely like that. He does give us confirmation and he helps us along the way. But following Jesus is not about us being comfortable and the stars aligning. It's about our obedience to him when we want to and when we don't want to. So you think about like, it's a hard day at work or lots going on and you feel a prompting, like, I think God might be saying this. And instead of like getting distracted again by everything that's going on, it's that singular focus towards him. Okay, I think God's saying something. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna listen to him. This is the most important thing. Um, How about a biblical example? It looks like after a long time of not finding success, imagine two guys fishing all night, catching nothing, and then Jesus saying, hey, cast your boat into deep water, cast the net there, and then being like, oh, well, Lord, we didn't catch anything all night. But because you say it, we will do it. And that one convicts me. Because I can see things not working out, not going the way I think they should. And then God's like, do this. And it's like, yeah, but. And they do say it. And God's okay with us saying, yeah, but. Or like, I really don't want to do this. As long as we come back around and submit to him, it's okay. Read the Psalms. You can see it all over how much our human emotion, he, he's okay with it. He can deal with us. But it's our heart. This one, I feel like, is maybe the most epic exchange between man and God, and it's possible because the man was fully God, so, I mean, it's like kind of like God and God, I don't know, you deal with that. But Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays this several times. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. And then again, he says it again, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. It says three times he went and prayed this. And he, in between, he was going to talk to the disciples. He'd go back and pray. He didn't want to go to the cross. <laughs> he didn't want to be separated from his father. He prayed for a way out. But when it became clear that it was God's will, he submitted himself. He said, get up, it's time to go. And that's when the mob was there to arrest him. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. And this is where it takes over in Philippians 2. To the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, his obedience 
God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's our model. That's what we're called to in a life of obedience, is hearing God speak and talking back to him. We're allowed to question. We're allowed to tell him, our thoughts, we're allowed to tell him our desires, our doubts, our fears. But in the end, are we willing to submit to what he's saying and trust him? Obedience isn't easy. It goes against our human nature. We have a bent for um, rebellion. There's a lot of it in the Bible. We read a little bit about it today, but you can read the, the whole Bible and find so much. You can think about your own life and probably find a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could find it in my life. Okay, I know, I know. Um, but following him means we no longer get to be Lord of our lives. We've given that up. We're following him. We're in for his adventure. And this isn't just like a solemn, we're all going to the cross to die. Yes, Part of us is going to die. Our human nature is going to die. And we're going to be resurrected in his life. And that's a good thing. This does not mean the end of fun. It doesn't end on the cross. He's resurrected. All right. I'm going to do a, a, a little sidetrack that I planned on, actually. <laughs> Jamie had uh, recommended that a, a lot of us read a book called Release of the Spirit. It's written by Watchman Nee, and he, um, I have a, a little graph. It's actually a photo I took of um, a diagram where it's body, soul, spirit. So, you see it? The body is the outermost man. To me, the body's kind of, body's kind of stupid. It just kind of like follows whoever is in control, whether it's the soul or spirit. The soul is called the outer man. So the outer man would be like all of our feelings, our thoughts, our preferences, our will. And then the spirit is our inner man. And the spirit is what's born again through salvation. That is our connection to our father. His spirit and our spirit. What comes out of our spirit are the things of God. And what Watchman Nee is proposing is that Oftentimes, our soul or our outer man acts as a shell, and it contains those things, but doesn't let those things flow out. Um, he says, you know, once you break open that shell, the things of God flow out, and then you get to see his power in your life and in the people around you. So we've been talking about obedience to me is like, that is the way the shell breaks. Uh, there is one caveat, though. We can obey what we read in Scripture, but there's also what God is speaking to us every day. He's speaking every day. He's leading us. He's guiding us. And to obey those things, we have to be able to hear him. If we don't hear him, we can't follow him. So how do we follow him? What are the things that help break this Outer man, help us to hear him and help us to follow him. 
And there are some spiritual disciplines. Um, these are things that Jesus used a lot and I would say would help us a lot. And I'm, we all have different degrees of applying these to our lives, but some spiritual disciplines would be like prayer. Are we praying, talking to him? And I would say praying in tongues. He gives us a prayer language, and that prayer language accesses his Holy Spirit, so our inner man. When we're praying in tongues, it's like we've taken control away from our outer man. That would be our mind and our will, praying the things that we would prefer. And it starts praying the things that he wills. Fasting. I said I wasn't really talking about fasting, but come on, we gotta throw it in there. Fasting is a way to break the outer man. Start taking away some of the things that we want, that we use as consolations, that we think we deserve, and see how the outer man really bucks up and is like, hold on. No. Reading his word, that's another one. He's already given us so much. We can read these stories. We can see how it applies to our lives. We can see what God's done before. We can know him. All right, so spiritual disciplines. We're breaking the outer man to release the inner man. Thanks for the water, Lucas. Didn't know I needed it. All right, a few more practical things I want to talk about. One is being in community, being discipled or pastored. We don't do this alone. We have a lot of blind spots. If you, if you go back to the passages in the Old Testament, the people of Judah had blind spots where they weren't seeing things. So they had the prophet that was telling them that. If you go back to Saul... He had blind spots. Samuel pointed them out, but it's like if we don't have people around us who are also searching for God, if they're also doing his will, then we're at a huge disadvantage because the enemy has room to isolate us, beat us up. It's been from the very beginning in the garden where the enemy attacks what God has said. Adam and Eve was like, did he really say that? No, certainly you won't die. They did. Um, so iron sharpens iron. We're part of one body. We're a spiritual body. Head, uh, Jesus is the head of the body. So we're all connected. Um, you think about, do you have any body parts that you could just like throw off to the side and they can live separated from the rest of the body? No, there's a reason God set it up this way. It's because we need him. And one of us doesn't represent him fully. So we need each other. We need to be in environments, in community, under some form of discipline where we don't have blind spots, where the enemy can just take us out. Share what God's saying. And this helps if you have a community because it's a community of practice. We hear what God's saying to each other. We're able to see those red flags. Like, if you're like, hey, yeah, I had a great week. I just built a monument to myself. It could be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you sure God told you to do that? 
We have to be open to missing it. Because we will. But that's part of the safety of being in community and following God with a family of believers. Is that together we can hear him better than we can just on our own. So Lord, let us be a people who, like Jesus, are about your business and your kingdom in submission to you. I'm almost at 87 minutes, so hold on. I'm really not, I don't have much left. I'm actually going to go ahead and call the worship team up. And we're going to close. Um, There's a World Cup game starting so if you're interested in the World Cup, you can probably make it by middle of the first half. <laughs> but I don't want to miss the opportunity that if there's something God's saying to you, if he's asking you to obey in some way, if he's asking you to follow him in some thing where you're hearing him speak, but you just haven't obeyed yet, if it's helpful to have someone pray with you, there are going to be some leaders that come up here and I'd ask any home group leaders that feel like you should be up here, come on up here, Um, and elders. This is a chance for people to stand together, stand with you, to, uh, to know you, to pray for you. And I don't want us to be a community where things just happen on Sundays, and I don't think that we are. But that is the lip service trap, where we come in here one day a week and we worship him, and we talk to him, and we feel better about ourselves, and then we go out, and we ignore him. We do what we want to do. We build our kingdom. So I'm going to pray, and then if you want to, come up for prayer. And um, you can while they're singing. God, I pray that you would help us today. Lord, we want to give you our hearts. We don't want to honor you with our lips, but then realize we're far from you. I pray that you would help us. You would give us grace to submit ourselves. Pray that you would help us this morning to really turn to you, and not just this morning, that our lives, we would be living sacrifices, that we would be a fragrant offering, that you would be pleased with us as we obey what you've commanded us to do. And I pray that you would open our eyes to the life that you are offering us, to follow you, to be filled by your Holy Spirit, to walk in communion with you, to not, be, to not be moved or put in bondage by our circumstances or our past experiences, that we would be set free to run after you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each heart here. Anything not of you would drop away, but that your words would ring out clear and you would give us hearts that are after you. Lord, we repent.
where we have tried to do it our own way or add you on like an option. You deserve all of us. You deserve our whole heart. You deserve, deserve our worship. Mind, body, soul. Pray that our spirits would be able to be released. The power of your Holy Spirit would come through us. And we would follow the example of Jesus. Even when it's hard, even when we don't want to, we would trust you. Give us hearts that believe you, trust you, and eyes that see you for who you really are, high and exalted, worthy of all our praise, worthy of our obedience, worthy of any service we give you. And that you would fill us with your life till we're overflowing. And we become like what Curtis talks about, just beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. That we would be filled with your spirit and other people would be drawn to that and we would lead people to you. We would point them to you. Have your way this morning, Lord. Have your way this week. As we uh, get ready to close, I pray that you would give everyone safe travels this week if they're going out of town, that there would be a grace on our spiritual body as we're around other people. But I pray that we would not be distracted, that we would still be about your business in every setting that we're in. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.